0: And hear the word of the Lord it comes from Psalm chapter 145 verses 1 through 9 and following I will extol you my ki- my God and king and bless your name forever and ever every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable one generation shall commend your works to another is over all that he made verse 21 says this my mouth will speak the praise of the lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever
1: good morning everyone my name is uh, patrick choy i am the student ministry director here at new city but this is actually my second time preaching uh here at new city last year I, I preached about um the same time last year and ryan gave me this awesome passage of scripture and i'm reading it and it's about judas killing himself and committing suicide and i was like man, Ryan, like, why'd you do that to me? But uh, I'm excited to preach uh, today on Psalm 145, and um, God's just been teaching me so much um, just about what it looks like to worship properly, just what, what it looks like to, to serve God, to serve God well. So the big idea of our message today is that our lack of belief in God leads to a lack of worship in God. So our lack of believing in God leads to an insufficient worship that God deserves. So uh, one of my favorite pastors, his name is Francis Chan. He has this awesome illustration that I want to share with you guys. And when I was in college, uh, my roommates over there, he, he stole it from me. But we had one of those guns that you would pump. And if you pump it once, you can, like, shoot your friend. If you pump it 10 times, it'll go through a squirrel. It's one of those guns. <laughs> and uh, we have this this illustration of belief. So... With, with your hands, how many of you believe that if I had a gun in here, a little airsoft gun, that I could hit a balloon over there? How many of you think that I could hit that balloon with, with a little gun? One, two, three. That's kind of sad. I thought it'd be like 90% of you. All right, so it's like 10 of you. All right. Now, how many of you believe that I could still hit that same balloon, but this time, you're holding it like this? Two, awesome. Three. All right. How many of you believe that I could hit that balloon, but now you have to hold it with your teeth? So you're over there like this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot that gun. How many of you believe that I could actually hit that balloon? One and a half. I like it. I like it. So what Francis Chan is kind of trying to illustrate there is, you know, our world has kind of misconstrued what we believe about the word belief. You know, when I say this, you know, do you believe I can hit the balloon? About 10 of you raise your hands. Like, yeah, I believe you can do that when it becomes a little more personal, when it becomes a little bit more uh, hard for you, when you have to trust me a little more, we saw one hand go up. We saw two hands go up. And that's kind of the way that we believe Jesus. That's kind of the way we believe God is we say we believe God, but how many of us truly believe in the Lord? Um, And for me personally, I think part of the Old Testament is it's hard to believe a lot of times for me. Um, You'll hear me call people in the Old Testament characters instead of people, whether it's David or Jonah or whoever. I call them characters a lot of times, or some of the stories or some of the psalms. You know, I don't think they're, they're real per se, but the truth is the psalms are real poems. They're real songs written by a real man named David. And David wrote these heartfelt, passionate songs and poems about God. So my question for you guys today is, how can our lives, how can our lives reflect authentic worship like we see in the Psalms? How can our lives really reflect worship the way David saw and worshiped the Lord? So that leads me to my first point, which is uh, that we're all worshiping something. Every single one of us in here, we are worshiping something in the world. And uh, I kind of want to take us back and what is Worship. What does the world say worship is? What is the dictionary definition of worship? And it says this, it's an extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to a person or an object. So essentially, it's just something that we have high regard for, something that we really, really, really respect or something that we really, really believe. Um, Just we kind of put it on this pedestal. So outside of it being uh, worshiping God, Worship is idolatry. At the root of the word, worship is idolatry, and we're all worshiping something. We're all idolizing something above God, but I kind of want us to look at what David is saying um, in this passage. What is David saying? Where is his heart? What is his perspective on the Lord? And the first four verses, um, I'm going to read it again, and he says this, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another. So even if we just look at the words, Ryan touched on it earlier. Look at the words that David is using here. He says, I want to extol you, my God and my King. He wants to tell everyone how great God is. He goes on to say, I want to bless the Lord. He wants to speak well of God. He wants to praise God. He wants to glorify God for just everything he's done. He wants to command. One generation shall command your praises. He wants to continue telling people about what God has been doing in his life. And If we keep going, we see words like he wants to declare, he wants to meditate, he wants to sing aloud, he wants to give thanks. These are the words that David writes um, about God. And in my life, do I really use those words? Do I really see God in that light. Um, verse 3 is something I want to touch on because I, I love verse 3 when he says, his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable, meaning it's past the human mind. It's past our human capacity to fully know, to fully comprehend who God is, meaning we could spend the rest of our lives, you know, 24-7 just studying God's attributes, studying his characteristics, and we wouldn't even come close to knowing who the real, true God is. It's how big he is. It's how powerful he is. It's his characteristics. He is unsearchable. Um, John Leslie, he has a quote that says, Show me a worm that can comprehend man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend God. And that just kind of puts into perspective, like that is the God that we get to worship. And David sees that. David understands that. And David, you know, he's... He's yearning to God you know I want to extol you God I love you I want to sing your praises but here in 2017 I feel like there's a disconnect for us like why can't I worship like that why isn't my heart yearning the way David is yearning there's a disconnect for us that we don't quite understand um and it's because our hearts are worshiping other things our hearts are worshiping these idols that we've gripped in our hearts, that we've gripped in our hands, and we won't let God take control of. Um, about a few months ago, um, I got probably the worst news I could ever hear from Erica. I'm just watching, watching TV, and Erica comes up to me, and she, she says, Patrick, I think we need to go on a diet. And I was just like... Like, no. And if you guys don't know much about me, like Erica left town a few weeks ago and I had McDonald's for lunch and Burger King for dinner. So that's kind of like the way I eat. And I can cook. I just don't like doing dishes. But um, So we went on this diet called Whole30. And if you guys don't know what Whole30 is, probably keep it that way. Because it's, it's seriously one of the worst things in the world. It's, um, it's just clean eating, no added sugar. It's uh, lean meats, veggies, fruits, and water. And you know, on the, on the outside, it doesn't seem that bad, but, like, by day six, you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, like I need help. Um, and I just remember one day, we're at my friend's house, and uh, we're, like, at a cookout. Everyone's grilling. Eric and I are the annoying friends that have to bring our own food because we're on a diet. And, you know, we make steak and squash, which is a great, great meal. Like, everyone loves steak. Everyone likes squash for the most part. And our friends, they have baked beans, potato chips, and hot dogs. And I'm just like, man, I want that hot dog. I want those baked beans because what that offers is added sugar, calories, all the bad things in the world. But while we're on Whole30, like, my mind was consumed on food. The whole reason we went on the diet was so that uh, we, our bodies would look better. And I was every day, literally every day, I stepped on the scale to see how much weight I lost. I would check in the mirror, like, is my six-pack there yet? Not yet. But, like, every morning, my mind was consumed on my self-image, my body image, and what I was going to eat. And it's kind of like David was yearning to know God, was yearning to to speak highly of God. At that time, my body was yearning for food. It was yearning for for things I couldn't have. And I was just thinking as I was preparing this, um, why doesn't my body yearn to know God? Why don't I yearn to know Christ, but I yearn to know these other things? Um, So what about you? What is it in your life that you guys are holding on so tightly to? What are you idolizing right now? What is in your heart that you just have such a tight grip on right now that you will not let God take a hold of it? Um, you know, Romans one twenty five says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped the creature rather than the creator. Meaning we are worshiping things that God has made instead of God himself. We are worshiping our self-image. We're worshiping our status and our job, our self-image, how much money we make, our family, our friends, all these things that God created, which are good things, but we're worshiping these things, the things that God created for us over God. So why is that? Why are we worshiping these things that God created? Why do we always idolize um, these things? And I think it's the second point is that we have an improper perspective on God. We have an improper perspective on God, and our perspective of God shapes how we worship God. Our perspective of God shapes how we worship God. So it kind of goes back to that Francis Chan illustration of the gun where we all say we believe in God, but do we actually believe in God the way that we say um, so what are the things that help shape my perspective of God? I want, to help, I want to share that with you guys, that there are certain things that I do in my life that help me shape my perspective of God. And kind of David does a few things too. Um, if we look at verses 5 through 9, he says this, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful; he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. So, where is David's heart here? What is his perspective of the Lord in this passage? Um, There's three key things that I think David does in this um, in this chunk of scripture, and. In verse 5, the first thing we see is that he meditates. He meditates on the wondrous works that God has done in his life. In verse 6, it says that he speaks aloud and declares the Lord's greatness. In verse 7, it just says that he sings. He sings to God. And some of these things might be weird to you, but David does these things to kind of shape his perspective of God. This idea of meditating is seen throughout Scripture, from from Genesis to, to the end, where we see the patriarchs of the faith meditating on the things that God has done in their life. So how many of us actually spend time meditating on the Lord? How many of us actually spend time meditating saying, God, you've done this and this and this in my life? How many of us actually do that? Or speaking and declaring his greatness or singing? Those might be weird things to you like, I'm not a good singer. But you don't have to sing. But you know what David is saying is these are a few things that he does that helps shape his perspective of God. It helps shape David's worship of God. Uh, verse 8 and 9 is, it's a verse that I love because it, it brings me back to to the person that, that I used to be. Um, and what I mean by that is, it says that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. When I was younger, um, probably until my uh, senior year of high school to my freshman year of college, I had a wrong um, idea of what the gospel was. I thought the gospel was, if I do good things, if I honor my, my mom and dad, if I get good grades, if I'm not mean to anyone, then God's going to love me. So I had this idea that the gospel was good works, good works mentality gospel, but I didn't understand um, just the true gospel, you know, you know and if you, if you fall into that trap of good works mentality, that good works gospel, you lose sight of your sin, and for me, I wasn't a sinful person in my mind when I was uh, growing up until my senior year of college. And when I, when I see that now, the, that God has redeemed me, um, there are things I did and things I said to people that I would think, how could a God love a person like me? Now, I, w- I was a broken, broken person. How could any God love a person like me? And you know, when I, when I finally understood the gospel and it gripped my heart, I can finally begin to understand verses, like verse 8, when he says that the Lord is gracious and merciful, that there is a holy and perfect God out there that loves a broken sinner like me. And, and when, that, when that clicked in me, like I, I finally understood it, that he's gracious to me, he's merciful to me, in spite of my sin. He still loves me. He still allows me to worship Him. Um, And that helps shape my perspective of God, knowing that, understanding that I, I am insufficient, I am nothing, but there is a God that loves me and allows me to love Him. Psalm 8, verses 3 through 4 says this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man that you care for him? And I read that verse, and I'm just like, "Wow, God actually loves me." And it's going back to that John Wesley quote, you know "Show me a worm that can comprehend man. I'll show you a man that can comprehend God." You now when have we ever gone up to a worm and said, like, "Hey worm, I love you, and I'm going to die for you." We don't do that because it doesn't make sense. But what God did to us doesn't make sense either. Where he sees something like me that's broken and tainted and says, Patrick, I love you, and I'm going to send my son down to die for you. And knowing that and living that, it helps shape my perspective of God. And what I love about the Psalms, what I love about this Psalm especially, is that it is a blueprint for us to check how our hearts are. The Psalms are a blueprint for us to check our hearts. The Psalms are a blueprint for us to to learn how to worship properly, to learn how to worship. Um, So then that leads to a question, you know, how can we worship God the way that He intended us to? How can we worship God the way He intended us to worship? And I think that's the third point is that worship is a process of constantly believing in God. Worship is a process of constantly believing in God. I think our human tendency, our human nature, is to stray away from God. Ephesians 2 says we're all born objects of wrath. So it's easier for us to do, or to kind of walk away from God. You know, God is calling us, but it's easier for us to kind of walk away, walk this way. And uh, there's a song that I love. Ryan touched on it earlier, and it's called Come Thou Fount, um, that I just love. It's probably my favorite hymn, just because of the words that it speaks, and it's so true in my life. And the problem is that the song says, that we're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, like prone to leave the God I love. That's the problem with our hearts, is that we're prone to wander from God. We're prone to leave the God I love. But the solution is in the first verse of the song where it says, you know, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. I think that's the solution, is we have to tune our hearts every single day. We have to tune our hearts to worship the lord because if our natural instinct is to is to walk away from god to do things that god doesn't want us to do then our hearts are going to need constant tuning to go back to him um an example of that would be if phil or amanda were up here leading worship and their his guitar was was out of out of tune or the piano was out of tune our worship would be out of tune everything in the con- the congregation would be off the worship band would off, would be off You know, he has to tune his instrument. He has to tune the things in his guitar and his piano for us to worship on. And the same thing for our hearts. We need to tune our hearts constantly to be worshiping with the Lord. Um, You know, I think uh, I think some people take their relationship with the Lord um, differently with a person that's sitting right here. So, for example, um, you know, I'm married to Erica, but how, how weird would it be? Erica and I only only spoke once a week. You know, she's my wife, but I only spoke to her on Sunday from 10:30 to 12, and that's it. Now, how broken would our marriage be? How broken would our relationship be if I told her, you know, Erica, I love you. I, you know, I want to be your husband, but I'm only going to speak with you for for two hours a week. Now, the same thing goes in our with our relationship with the Lord. Um, a lot of us we want this strong relationship with God. We we want to worship Him. We want to commune with him but we're not really doing the things that kind of make that happen um, the thing is it's because it's hard you know following christ is not easy following christ comes up a sacrifice and um, doing things of this world is it's just easier honestly it's just easier not to follow christ about a month ago um, 29 egyptian martyrs um, egyptian christians were, were martyred they were killed um, and kind of what happened was uh, they were on two buses, and ISIS stopped those buses and asked them to denounce their faith. And one by one, they came out of the bus and they would ask them, "Are you a Christian or a Muslim?" And 29 of those uh, Egyptians, they said, well, "I'm a Christian," and they died for the, their, they died for their faith. Um, now, the following Christ comes with a sacrifice, and for for those Egyptians, cost them everything. Cost them their life. And you know I'm not here trying to condemn you. Saying, you know, in order to have an authentic worship with Christ, that means you need to read your Bible more. That means you need to pray more. That means you need to sing more. You need to meditate more, because that's the lie that Satan would want us to believe, that we need to do these things constantly to get in right relationship with God. Um, But that's not what true worship is. True worship is an expression of our heart. True worship is is an overflow of our heart, and. It's the authentic love that we have for Christ. So you might be sitting out there uh, today thinking, you know, all right, when I get home, I'm going to read my Bible for an hour, then I'm going to pray for an hour. I'm going to do this for an hour and do this for an hour. You can find, kind of fall into this trap. But instead, I want you guys to do this. I want you to examine your heart. Just marvel at who Jesus is. Marvel at the gospel. Marvel at what Jesus did for you. Now, we're all struggling with idolatry. We're all struggling with something that uh, that is just rooted in our hearts. And I don't know what that is for you guys, but I want to ask you guys this: Is how can you replace that idolatry of of money, that idolatry of status, of job? How can you replace that with Jesus today? How can you replace that with the gospel this morning? Now, how can you tune your heart today to replace those idols? With Christ, and you see, that's my prayer for us this morning. is is simply that that we we learn to marvel at Jesus, we learn to marvel at what God has done in our lives. We learn to marvel that there is a God who loves us so much that He sent His Son down to die for us. And that's my prayer. And the more we marvel at Jesus, the more we marvel at what God has done. The more authentic our worship gets. The more authentic. Our relationship with with the lord um gets and as we marvel my prayer for us as we close is verse 21 that our mouths will speak the praise of the lord and that all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever that our mouths will do nothing else than praise god and worship him forever and ever and that's that's my worship or that's my prayer for us today it's just that we worship god that uh, we can marvel at God and that that root of idolatry will be taken from our hearts and replaced with Jesus. Oh. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, I think the praise band is going to come. Back. Yeah. Uh, Father, we thank you for, um, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for, for your love, for your grace, um, just for who you are, what you've done in our, in our lives, what you've done in our hearts, God, and God, we're all holding on to something. We're all holding on to um, just an idol in our hearts, God. And this morning, I just pray that we would replace that with you. We would replace it with Jesus. We would replace it with the gospel, and that we would just marvel at who you are, God. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the cross. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in your son's name.